the 2014 NFL Draft. This is an exciting night for our players, our teams, and for you, the fans. The season begins tonight, so let's kick it off. The 2014 NFL Draft is officially open. After an earlier trade with the Seattle Seahawks today, the Cleveland Browns are now on the clock. Life's the same, you're shaking like tremble. Life's the same, it's all inside you. People pay to get wet. A direct quote from this week's movie, but also pertinent to what we do here on the Pool Scene Podcast. Get people wet. Yeah. Question mark. Making the picks today. I'm the general manager, Kevin, along with the front office president, Jim. Hey now. Again, this is the Pool Scene Podcast. This week, a film from the man who directed Meatballs, Stripes, Ghostbusters 1 and 2, Twins, Kindergarten Cop, Kindergarten Cop 1, not 2, with the Kit Kat bars or whatever those were. Was it Twix? Kit Kats? Which... Go, go back and listen. Butterfingers? I want to say it was Twix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was Twix. Okay. Yeah. Go, go back and listen. He didn't direct that. No. He directed Dave Jr. and so on. That man is Ivan Reitman. This week's movie, his final film before his death, the 2014 sports comedy drama Draft Day. So Draft Day, the real Draft Day, oh, NFL yeah draft just happened what a week ago before this time of this recording yeah i want to say like maybe two two and a half weeks ago okay so the draft just happened and and before i break it down i love the nfl draft before they made it a primetime event i could always remember spending the weekend watching all seven rounds with my dad and my cousin's birthday is right around this time. So like the draft sometimes would overlap with when they'd have his birthday party. So I can remember being at their house and like having the, uh, the living room TV on and watching the ticker to see, because they didn't used to break down every pick. No, not at all. It would be like, okay, Cleveland Browns select. And it would just do the, it would pop up the the draft noise. It would show the card and that would be the end of it. It would start on Saturday morning or maybe afternoon. Well, yeah, it used to start on Saturday morning before they started moving it to Friday and then Thursday. Yeah. So it'd start on Saturday afternoon. It would go until like six o'clock and then literally wherever it ended, they would just resume on Sunday until it was over. And it was always for me, like the unofficial start of spring. So we would like open the windows and doors usually when the draft was on and we just like watch the whole thing on our floor model TV. Peyton Manning on who to watch at the NFL draft. He's quick. He's aggressive. He could go all the way. The NFL Draft. Complete coverage begins Saturday at noon on ESPN. I just can't do it like him. Another unofficial start of spring event for us, for me, was always the Arnold Classic. Oh, yeah. In Columbus, every year, the Arnold would always be right around the time you could start maybe wearing shorts. March, April. Ditching the jacket. Well, remember, 
even before we were kids, the NFL draft used to be 15 rounds yeah. non-televised. Right. So for the hardcore. Just read it in the paper. Yeah. So Jim, there is something in Hollywood called the blacklist. Do you know about this? I've heard of it. So basically the blacklist is something. It actually didn't start until 2005. It's a survey of the best scripts or screenplay that have been read by executives, but have not yet been produced. So some hang out on the blacklist for a while. Some it's just a year. In some cases, it's because like the script is so good. There's a bidding war for it. Or sometimes like there's scripts that are like, this script is amazing, but we don't know how to turn it into a movie. So sometimes it's just like a difficult thing to film. There's a number of reasons. So since 2005, out of more than 1,000 blacklist screenplays, 440 of those have ended up being produced and made into films. Draft Day was on the 2012 blacklist and it was considered to be a top 10 script of the 2010s. This led to critical disappointment because they felt the actual film lost some of the script's drama. Hmm. But you got to think. <laughs> Bo Callahan's birthday party? In a way, I mean, like, sometimes, like, when I watch everything everywhere at all at once, and, like, how it's edited and how it's made, I'm always so impressed by that movie because I'm like, how did they do that? Yeah. It's so impressive. And, like, Draft Day's got a little bit of that where it's like, they had to take everything on paper and put it into a movie in like a certain order so some of the blacklist scripted movies have went on to win oscars imitation game was nominated for a bunch of oscars it was like the greatest blacklist script of all time so in draft day basically the nfl teams were allowed on an individual basis to give their blessing to appear in the movie the blessing the major trade with the Seattle Seahawks was originally intended to be the New York Jets. All right. But right before they started filming, the Jets decided they didn't want to be involved in the movie. So Seattle agreed. Pretty dumb. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's not going to hurt you if you're involved in the movie. Originally, draft day was supposed to revolve around. Do you know who? No idea. Buffalo Bills. Okay. But thankfully for us, due to production costs being much cheaper in Ohio, the film was based on the Cleveland Browns. Hell yeah, man. Another great Cleveland sports movie. So, Jim, Draft Day is a rare PG-13 movie that uses the term motherfucker. Come on, Tom, say it with me, you pancake-eating motherfucker. <laughs> yeah! So, with that said, please let us know how the movie performed and give us budget box office along with news number one's the time of release. And I will say, we saw this in theaters. From WUAB, Channel 43, where the news comes first, this is the 10 o'clock news. Motherfucking Draft Day, rated PG-13, came out April 11th, 2014, to a $25 million budget and only made $29 million at the box office. Like Kevin said, we contributed to that $29 million. Loved it. I'm pretty sure it was this in Argo that we might have smuggled some beers into the movie theater to watch. Argo, fuck yourself. Damn straight. I remember us saying that while we're trying to be coy with our Bud Lights. Also want to give a shout out here in the news segment to some of my favorite people. They totally came across 80s news screens. Claude Lamoureux becoming vegetarian. Mario Brescia, unimpressed. Major Bill Smith, believes Elvis is alive. Rachel Mills, dyslexic parent. Mike Mapp, skateaholic. And finally, King Kong, Andy White. We salute you. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know what just happened. There's this Instagram thing that I follow. It's called 80s News Screens, and it'll have these people that are on local TV okay. that just look like they went to the Canfield Fair. It's gotcha. tremendous. So I wanted to shout them out. 80s News Screens on Instagram. Fantastic. 2014, Kevin, your top Netflix streaming when Netflix was still a thing because right now Netflix out of all the streaming services might be near the bottom. I still hold to be at my number one slot by far and it's free. Netflix is the worst. It's become ridiculous. I have an issue with HBO Max soon to be Max which we talked about. Yep. So because of I have HBO through a cable provider and I can watch maybe one thing and then it kicks me out and then I have to sign in again but it can't just be like literally put in my name and password. It's like you have to log out. You have to log back in. You have to get a code. You have to sync it to your TV. It's too much of a pain in the ass. It is. So that's my issue with that. I like Hulu. Peacock's fine. You know, I had Disney Plus at one time. Disney I don't. Plus is fine. I mean, it's whatever. I kids. So yeah. Disney Plus is all right. But yeah, Netflix sucks. They're going too deep into original programming that isn't good. No, not at all. If it wasn't for serial killer documentaries, I think Netflix would be tits up. Pardon the pun, but it's very true. But this time in 2014, what just came out, their top streamings were House of Cards season two was a big House of Cards fan. Then Kevin Spacey had to become a fucking creep and ruin the whole show. Orange is the New Black season two, which ironically enough, in draft day, the strength coach of the Browns was Pescatella in Orange is the New Black. There you go. Orange is the New Black did not end up completing the series. I kind of just was done with it, sort of like Cobra Kai. I had my fill. I'm good. I'm done. Whatever. And then finally, Black Mirror debuted on Netflix in 20. 14. On to the news. This is kind of relevant with what's going on in the world right now. NATO suspends all practical civilian and military cooperation with Russia. And here we are nine years later on the brink of World War Three. Because Putin is a piece of shit. You want to know why? The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson came to an end when they did announce James Corden, which now there is no more James Corden. There is no more Late Late Show. It is now going to be once again at midnight. The old comedy Comedy Central show. It is very Twitter. Wait, that's heavy. what they're doing. They're going to be doing at midnight in that slot. No more late, late show. Interesting. Craig Ferguson, actually, I never really watched it, but one of my friends always sends me clips from it. It's good. He had that robot co host. Yeah, he did. They did the uh, Wilford Brimley bit. I wanted to go over and say, good for you, Wilford Brimley. You're getting salad because you've got diabetes. <laughs> hey, why the hell are you staring at me while I'm at the salad bar? <laughs> My wife took a photograph on her iPhone. Man, it's really funny because he saw Wilford Brimley in a restaurant and then it just like took off, became a thing. It's really funny. And then also one of the best late night shows last week tonight premiered on home box office. HBO on to sports. George, what would you have drafted with the number one pick in the NFL draft? Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael. Welcome to the Sports Machine. WrestleMania 30 at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans. Remember Hogan fucked up where he was during that whole thing? He thought he was at the Silverdome, not the Superdome. Austin made fun of him. However, finally, the one time that I think the WWE actually listened to the fans, Daniel Bryan defeats Batista and Randy Orton to become the undisputed world heavyweight champion. The fans were finally listened to. Bubba Watson wins his second Masters by three strokes over Jordan Spieth and Jonas Blixt. 
And since we're talking about draft day in the 2014 NFL draft, the actual 2014 NFL draft was as follows. The Texans pick now former Cleveland Brown, Jadavion Clowney at number one. The Rams draft Greg Robinson at two. Jacksonville, Blake Bortles. This was a, a historically bad draft. Horrible. Buffalo picks Sammy Watkins, a wide receiver from Clemson. And then finally, Khalil Mack, probably the one success out of the 2014 Aaron Donald draft. Donald was in there. Oh, that's right. He, yeah, he's later on. And then the Browns, of course, at number eight. Justin Gilbert. Justin Gilbert. Because Tim Tebow told him, you should look at this guy. So they drafted him. And then they fucking drafted your boy Manziel. Yeah. He stood on the bar and celebrated. Fuck. I thought, I was like, finally, let's do it. Because I took the Skip Bayless Kool-Aid like a fucking idiot. Boy, I was wrong. Who pretty soon will change football life in Cleveland, Ohio. One day, I am predicting... Johnny Manziel will become even bigger in the city of Cleveland than his buddy and business partner LeBron James ever was in the city of Cleveland. One what? day, the passing connection of Johnny Manziel to Josh Gordon will heat up November's and December's, and I'm predicting January's. He set the franchise back five years. It did. It did a lot. And then I thought we were going to go somewhere with Baker, and then it didn't happen. You're right, Kevin, because Odell went to the Giants at 12, and then Aaron Donald went 13 to the St. Louis He's Rams. the greatest defensive player, arguably God. him and um, Reggie White. Yeah. God damn. Lawrence it. Taylor. I love looking back on these drafts, doing Monday morning quarterback. It's like, man, could have got Aaron Donald. Yeah. However, the one thing we all got was our number one movie in America, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, when there was no Marvel fatigue and everybody was awesome. excited. Fantastic. Those Captain America movies were chef's kiss. Speaking of chef's kiss, the number one song in America, Katy Perry featuring Juicy J, Dark Horse. Cause I'm coming at you like a dark Back. Pretty good song. For coming. the longest time, I thought, this is a good Taylor Swift song. Sounds I was wrong. Like, but I always sing it as uh, coming at you like a dog horse. <laughs> Love a dark horse. Love a dog, dog horse. horse. It seems like a character you would fight in Castlevania before Dracula. Dog horse. And that's all that was going on. Draft time 2014. The interesting thing about sports movies is that you are willingly eliminating a portion of the demographic because there's little appeal for non-sports fans. And that's why so often there's a romantic subplot in sports movies. So like Tin yeah. Cup is sort of like a romantic movie, but it's just weird. And that's why sports movies don't usually, sports movies usually don't perform too well at the box office but then they go on to like cable dominating for All 20 years yeah. yeah tagline for draft day i've never heard this i've watched draft day a hundred times i hope it's who are you gonna pick the greatest victories don't always happen on the field <sighs> so i don't know Great. i don't know what that's about you don't really need a tagline for this movie we know no. what it is yeah we're gonna draft all right let's uh draft into the plot it makes no sense <laughs> Uh, what is it a race? What is this a Days of Thunder? It's a racing movie. Uh, the entire movie takes place in one day, the day of the first round of the NFL draft. Thirty-two teams, seven rounds, two hundred and twenty-four young men who today are about to become players in the National Football League. A day where lives are changed, fates are decided. Dynasties are born, and the clock is always ticking. Of course, 
I'm talking about drafting. I would think a Thursday. That's usually what round one's in. Yeah. Sonny Weaver Jr. is the general manager of the Cleveland Browns. To set the stage for Sonny, he's coming off a season where he fired the head coach who happened to be his father, Coach Sonny Weaver Sr. His dad died recently, like within the last week or so, or a couple weeks at Yeah, it's most. like two weeks. He had only fired his father as a favor to his mom because basically doctors told him that the stress of coaching was going to kill him. Look, don't get me wrong. I'm the one who fired him, but it was my mother who asked me to do it. My dad's doctors told him that the stress of coaching was going to kill him, so of course he refused to retire. So now I have a choice. The time he has left at home with my mother, or another year on the, another year on the sidelines where maybe he drops dead on national television. This decision where he's like, he can spend the rest of his time at home with mom or he can drop dead on national TV on the sidelines. Well, he is coaching the Cleveland Browns, all right? That's true. So Sonny has also impregnated Allie Parker, the team's salary cap analyst. Their relationship is a bit of an open secret. When the day starts, the Browns hold the number seven overall pick. Sonny writes himself a note, which we don't see, and he leaves the house for the day. The Seattle Seahawks own the number one pick overall and plan to take surefire, can't miss quarterback prospect, Bo Callahan. Kevin, Bo Ridley. Callahan from the University of Wisconsin. There's no intrigue at the number one pick. Bo Callahan, Wisconsin Badger, overall number one to Seattle. That's got to be a slam dunk. We haven't had a quarterback like this enter the draft since Andrew Luck. All right, so you get the Heisman Trophy winner going to the Seahawks. But a bit of logic, Seattle has a salary cap issue. It's like, well, we really want this next Andrew Luck, but, but we have a salary cap issue. Seattle's general manager calls Sonny to offer him the number one pick, to which Sonny tells him, He'll think about it. That is until the owner of the Browns, Anthony Molina, takes Sonny to Geauga Lake and he <laughs> threatens to fire him if he doesn't make a splash. And he describes the actual water slide. Yeah. Like it, he runs it. Yes. So Sonny trades away the number seven pick and their number one picks for the next two seasons for the first overall pick. I thought we uh, had a QB. Tell me, what did we give up? A number one pick this year? And first round pick next year. Okay, well that's a lot, but you get a chance at a player like Callahan. And the year after that. You gave up three consecutive first rounders. Sonny, that's our future. No. Bo Callahan's our future. The problem with this position is that the Browns already have a good quarterback. Sonny loves a linebacker from Ohio State named Devontae Mack, so he puts his staff on a mission to find something wrong with Bo Callahan because it's impossible that he's as perfect as advertised. Oh, so basically, beautiful. like Peyton Manning didn't have the arm strength. Yeah. John Elway was too strong. Joe Montana was too small. Which, when they show the Elway highlight, I'm like, this is a Cleveland Brown centric movie. Probably wouldn't have showed that highlight yeah. or talk about John fucking Elway. Good point. The Brown security manager finds out that it's possible that none of Bo's teammates went to his birthday party. Manager called the cops and somebody broke in his office and stole some money. Now, of course, none of this is Bo's fault. Of course. But. But the cops came and they took everybody's name regardless. It's 200 people. Standard operating procedure. But 
ask me who wasn't there. Who wasn't there, Ralph? Any of his teammates. None of his teammates came to the poor guy's birthday party, Sonny. Oh, no! And also, he lied about reading a team's playbook. He didn't know about the $100 bill, Sonny. He lied. Never read the whole playbook. So a lot of guys don't. Yes, but when they confront him about it, and they tell him about the money, he lied again. He said something like, oh, oh yeah, now I remember. Good one, good one, guys. Jack said he is the only guy to tell the lie and then to have the balls to stand and stick up for the lie. Said it was the second strangest response he had seen to the $100 bill thing. Want to know what the first was? God damn it, Ralph. Just tell me. A kid mailed the $100 bill back to them. That kid put it in a card, and he wrote on the card, save this for when I win you the Super Bowl. Don't you want to know who that kid was? No. It was Brian Drew. Of all the things. Yeah. Of all the things. We got guys in the draft that fucking killed people, yeah. left cars, sexually assaulted people. This guy has no friends, and he lied about reading. I don't, Having no friends, though. Is what a the fuck? A star quarterback who has no friends is kind of like a weird thing. I would also look at it like, okay, so he's focused on one thing and doesn't need any distraction. Okay. okay. I, have a, I have a comp. I have a Bo Callahan comp later in this episode. Ooh, okay. The team's new coach, Coach Vince Penn, basically wants to quit because he doesn't want to deal with an incoming rookie quarterback. He wants the Browns to draft a running back, specifically the son of a Browns legend. So when the Browns are on the clock, it turns out Sonny sticks with what he wrote on that note. With the first pick of the 2014 NFL Draft, the Cleveland Browns select... Vontae Mack, linebacker, Ohio State. Vontae Mack, no matter what, he stuns the world by drafting a player number one overall that he could have got at seven and kept all three of his he first probably could have traded back and still yeah. got Vontae, but he takes a player at number one he could have got at seven everybody rightfully loses their minds but Sonny's Vontae pick throws the whole draft into disarray which is great for us yes yeah, great for us so teams panic they go with their planned picks because they didn't expect Bo to be there so Bo Callian starts to slide however if Bo slips to Seattle at seven the Seahawks general manager Tom Mike is going to get Bo Callahan and two additional first rounders. He's going to be the greatest GM of all time. And $7 million cheaper. And $7 million cheaper. So he solves their salary cap problem, gets the guy they wanted at one, and picks up two draft picks in the process. Kevin, I want to bring this up real quick, and this might be a cheap joke, and I apologize, pool seniors out there, but Seattle has a money problem. Yeah. Cap space. We have a problem. Bo Callahan's agent, Puff Daddy. Yeah. Mo money, Mo problems. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> more money we come across, the more problems we see. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sonny's going to get fired. Like Anthony Molina was like so fucking horny for Bo Callahan. And then like, he's coming, like he goes literally in, coming. He comes, <laughs> he comes from New York. So he flies to New York for the draft. He got a Jersey stitched. Yeah. He's going to give Bo the Jersey when he gets picked number one. Sonny doesn't take. I Bo. love you, pal. So Anthony Molina gets on his private jet. He's coming to Berea. He's going to fire Sonny right on the spot. So Sonny's going to be the first GM in history to get fired on draft night. <laughs> So to prevent this from happening, Sonny calls Jacksonville because Bo Callahan has still not been picked. 
We're up the number five pick. Jacksonville's got six. Denver's picking five, but they have Matt Herod, an all pro quarterback, yeah. which to me, that had to have been a traded pick because how does the, a team with an all pro quarterback have a top five draft? Right. Pick? We watched his film. He was really good. So to prevent this from happening, Sonny calls Jacksonville, Jeff Carson, rookie GM, oh. who's picking sixth. Well, congratulations, Jeff. You, uh, looks like you got yourself Bo Callahan to quarterback the Jacksonville Jaguars. You got to be straight with me. About what? What's wrong with Callahan? Why is everyone passing on him? Why, why did you pass on him? I told you we like Vontae better. Damn it, Sonny. I, I'm about to be on the clock here. Please. What's wrong with Callahan? Can I be frank with you? Yes. I think he's a bust. What? How? Why? I don't know. Gut feeling. To be honest, Jeff, it's a character thing for me. But look, I have other needs. So if you want to make a trade for six, I can make that happen right now. He convinces rookie general manager Jeff Carson to trade him the sixth overall pick for three second round picks. That initially he asked for fucking four. He asked for four, which I, for the sixth Awful. pick, I still wouldn't take four. No. Second round picks. For those keeping scores, Sonny has now given away their first rounder the next two years. Three. They did pick swap. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So they did a pick swap this year, two number ones, and then three number twos for the next, so the next three years. So like the real life Cleveland Browns. Pretty much. Sonny never plans on making the sixth pick. He doesn't want Bo Callahan. He just wants his picks back from the Seahawks. He calls the general manager of the Seahawks and tells them he wants his first rounders back or else he's going to draft Bo Callahan. In addition, he wants a kick returner. Seattle has no choice but to make the deal. So in recap, in total, Sonny trades away three second rounders and ends up with the first pick, the sixth pick, and a kick returner. Genius. David goddamn Putney. That's right. Sonny has also agreed that him and Allie will no longer be a secret, and he tells his mom with a weird fucking shrimp hair <laughs> that she's going to be a grandma. <laughs> Her hair reminds me of shrimp. <laughs> Just multicolored hair. The hair's crazy. And then I love how the relationship's a secret. They go into the fucking closet all the time where the intern knows yeah. they're always there. Yeah, so does the security guy. Yeah. All right, let's get into characters. Nothing, unfortunately, about alternative casting or who was considered or anything like that. No Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins was probably considered a Sonny Weaver, but instead it was Kevin Costner. Jennifer Garner as Allie Parker. Dennis Leary as Vince Penn. Okay! Franklin Jella as Anthony Molina. Sam Elliott as Coach Moore, the head coach of the University of Wisconsin. Weird. Super weird. Of all colleges, they should have put Bo at like Texas or LSU. Yeah. I can see Sam Elliott yes. being the head coach. Right. Not Wisconsin. Yes. Alan Burstyn as Barb Weaver. Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace, was 37 playing a kid about to be drafted. So he, he was 30, young. 37 playing a 21-year-old man. If it wasn't for this movie, he never would have been Black Panther. Just saying. Maybe. Tom Welling as Brian Drew. Superman. Terry Crews as Earl Jennings, Kevin Dunn is Marvin, the Browns uh, chief representative. He's got like a bit part, but you didn't recognize him from a bunch of stuff. Yeah, he's a ton. We have a lot of people in this movie. Brad Williams Hankey is Tony Bagel. He's one of the scouts. Piscatella. Oh, I'm sorry. He's the strength and yeah. conditioning coach. Bagel. W. w. Earl Brown is the head of security. He's a cameraman from Scream, which I know Jim loves. Fuck that movie. David Ramsey, who's one of the guys who work in the war yeah. room, yeah. becomes
becomes Green Lantern on the last episode really? of Arrow. So you have Green Lantern, Superman, Kal-El, and you have Black Panther in this movie. Weird. It seems like Bo Callahan probably would have played a superhero at some point. But. Evil superhero. Arian Foster, real NFL football player as Ray Jennings. Uh, Rosanna Arquette as Sonny's ex-wife, which is a weird cameo. Yeah. Puff Daddy, as Jim said, Sean Combs. Uh, yes! He's the agent of Bo Callahan. Josh Pence is Bo Callahan. Pat Healy is like a B-movie staple. He plays Jeff Carson, the manager of Jacksonville Jaguars. Bunch of cameos from real NFL players. Roger Goodell. Uh, uh, Roger Goodell, Rich Eisen, Ray Lewis, Alex Marvez is in there. Chris Berman. So on and so forth. So Jim, which actor or actress gives a passable performance? Does any non-lead character steal scenes? To me, I like Allie. I like Jennifer Garner really well. Do I take Callahan? What do you want me to say? He's the winner. He is. He is. I mean, that's the word, right? He's won everywhere he's been. I get that. They said the same thing about Ryan Leaf when he was the number two pick in 98. No one said that about Tom Brady when he went 199th. There's no such thing as a sure thing. At the end of the day, all that matters is what you think. I'm kind of blown away that her character, maybe this is more of a logic point. She's like the the head finance person of the Cleveland yeah. Browns. Yeah, she seems to be responsible for cleaning up people's shit, getting coffee, doing all these menial tasks. When in actuality, on draft day, her face should be in a fucking book, crunchy numbers. Well, it sort of is, but no one will leave her alone. Yeah, I, I get that constantly. But I like, she seems to be the, the comfort section of this movie. I think Jennifer Garner hit a home run in this. And I've never been a big Jennifer Garner fan really like at all this might be the only movie in which i've ever loved her in she's really good mine is w earl brown is ralph mallory bo ridley callahan he's an only child his mom's a homemaker his father's a medical malpractice lawyer he's made some money pays his taxes he's got three years left on his mortgage and the kid's pretty vanilla belonged to a few clubs in high school he had a walk-on role in damn yankees he's on the honor roll from junior high through college kept his nose clean he worked out and you know, he threw a football better than anybody in the great states of Washington or Wisconsin. So he's the Browns director of security. So he's the one with the anecdotes about the birthday party and the money in the playbook. But basically post, some teams had one prior, but basically post Aaron Hernandez. Yeah. So an NFL player who was a star. Yeah. He was I a mean, star NFL player. Huge. Was involved in like gang activity and murdering people and running around and with the wrong crowd. Check it out on Netflix. Yeah. Check it out on Netflix. There you go. So after Aaron Hernandez, all NFL teams have this sort of guy. So his job is basically to keep tabs on what his players are doing. Like, where are they hanging out? Who are they hanging out with? Are they trending towards the wrong crowd? Who's going to their birthday party? Yeah, who's not going to their birthday party? So uh, let's get into best scenes, find out what scenes made a splash. I will go first. I will say this is a few scenes, but everything Brian drew. Did you trash my office? Trade me. Did you just trash my office? Yeah, I'm upset. Well, I don't care if you're upset. If you're upset, call your agent. All right, let him have this conversation. That's what he's there for. No, Sonny, you're gonna talk to me man to man. You owe me that. I owe you? I drafted you. Your dad drafted me. No, Drew, I drafted you. I may have been in San Francisco, but my dad wasn't even looking at you until I told him to. Yeah, and when your knee crapped out and no one wanted you, I still extended you contract. I think I even gave you a raise because I believed in you. Then why pick Callahan? 
You know why. Then trade me. I'm going to do what's best for the team. I've been in this league for eight seasons. I've been to the playoffs. I know the system the pen wants to run, and I know I can make it work. I busted my ass this offseason. I set the bar high. I'm in great shape. I feel 10 years younger. I'm telling you, man, I swear to you, the best thing for this team this season is me. Are you finished? No. We'll get finished. And then get back to work. If I trade you, I trade you. If I don't, I don't. Do yourself a favor. Worry about Brian. Don't worry about Bo. And definitely, most absolutely, goddamn importantly, do not bother me with your shit right now, Brian. I'm working here. Fucking Tom Welling is amazing. Brian Drew is the Browns' existing quarterback. He had blown out his knee the year before. They started five and one with Brian Drew and then went one and nine after the injury. Sounds like the Browns, baby. The conditioning coach tells Sonny that Brian is in the best shape of his life after the injury. Brian is upset about the Browns trading for the number one pick. So he trashes Sonny office the balls to yeah. do something like that it's awesome really man. yeah Sonny goes to talk to him and explains that even though Sonny was in San Francisco he's the one who told his dad to draft Brian Drew Sonny says I gave you a contract extension after you blew your knee and Brian Drew so the contract thing let's bring it up so every team will send a quarterback or a player that they may consider drafting they'll send them a copy of the play yeah. then they'll ask the player at the pre-draft interview did you read the playbook well here's the thing the team will stuff a hundred dollar bill in the back of the playbook the only way the player would know that is if they actually read, read the, the playbook. playbook so Bo Callahan did not read the playbook and they were like did you get the hundred dollars and he goes oh yeah good one guys like I did read it so he lied and then doubled down on his lie evil Bo Brian Drew found the hundred dollars mailed it to the team who put it in the playbook and said save this hundred dollars and give it back to me when I win you the super integrity yeah so the ultimate payoff in this is brian watching the draft in real time with his wife and kid seeing the browns not take bow and then celebrating so let's break down my first one and it's right about evil bow theory so vontae calls now, oh, evil bow theory is a throwback yeah when we did country strong we had evil bow hutton who was the, the joker he wanted to just cause chaos and watch the world burn so here we have evil bo because Bo knows football evil not, body odor yes not bo jackson bo ridley callahan so we get to the point early in this movie vontae calls sunny a lot because there's a kinship between in a way between sunny and vontae as we find out later even before he talks to vontae he's gonna take vontae number one so we go throughout this journey he's gonna take bo he gives up the world he ends up taking vontae where he could have got him at seven however vontae is like at um i don't know if it's his kids or his nephews or it's his nephews his, his, nephews. his sister passed away. Yes. So and he's kind of like a guardian. Yeah. So they're at like some sort of like gymnasium or tumbling, tumbling, tumbling thing. So he calls Sonny with his brass knuckle cell phone case, which I think we both need to have one. Yes, of those. We those, do. Are, those are BA. That means badass. So he calls Sonny and tells him that ball you want to take that there's a mistake. Callahan. Callahan's a poser. Yeah. And what do you know that every scout and coach on earth does not? I know we got sacked 12 times last year. No, it was 11. It was 11 times. Yeah, well, four of them were mine in one game. Yeah, I remember. I, I, I saw your highlight reel. I also remember that he beat you. Watch it again. Don't watch me. Watch him. Watch me sack him four times in one game 
Then watch what happens after. Watch what happens after what? Just watch. Don't look at my tape, which I'm going to talk about his tape and logic. Yeah. Look at Bo. Don't watch me. Watch Watch Bo. Bo. And Sonny's like, what do you mean? He's like, just watch Bo hangs up on him. So then they're in the war room and he's studying Bo's tape when Ohio State faces Wisconsin. After every time Vontae sacks Bo, he's rattled, throws an incompletion. He's scrambling all over the place. The only time that Bo Callahan is ever able to accomplish anything in that game is when Vontae is off the field because that game, Bo Callahan was, I believe, sacked nine times throughout the year, four times in that Uh, one thing. Eleven times during season four. Four times, four times Vontae. from Vontae. Yeah. So Sonny finds out there another nail in Bo Callahan's casket for coming to Cleveland is the fact that Vontae told him that Bo sucks. Yeah. Bo don't know football. Yeah. And they're like, well, Bo threw for 479 yards and five touchdowns in that game, but not when Vontae was on the no. field, basically. I have Sonny going into Allie's office to talk football. Can we talk football? Just football for 30 seconds? We can always talk football. There's a deal on a table from Buffalo. I heard. What's the war room think? Split. Ken wants me to do it. But you don't? I don't. Why? Because I know in my heart and my gut that if I make this trade with Buffalo, then I don't get to make a pick this year. All I get back are future draft picks for the guy that Molina brings in to replace me. I've been here two years, Allie. Two years. I've never gotten a chance to see what a team I put together can do out there. First year, it's my dad's team. Last year, Drew goes down before I can see what we had. Then I get stuck with Penn. I'm still trying to figure out how to work with. This is finally supposed to be my season. I just want the team that I want time so this whole Great. movie they've been trying to have this conversation because she's pregnant she wakes up at sonny's house they try to have a conversation she storms out he storms out it's draft day a couple times as jim said they end up in this closet to try and have a quick conversation trying to figure out what they're going to do it's secret but everybody knows what's going it's on it's an open secret yeah. so but at some point you know before he makes the draft pick he just goes in and he said can we talk football so we can always talk football so we get the joe montana john candy anecdote which before this movie, I always love. Remember the 89 Super Bowl? 49ers, Bengals. Niners down by three, 320 left in the game. 93-yard winning drive. Taylor beats the weak safety for a 10-yard TD. Yeah, but before the drive, Joe Montana's in the huddle, right? And unbelievably, somehow spots the actor John Candy in the stands. He points at him and asks the guys in the huddle, Hey, isn't that, isn't that John Candy? I couldn't believe the balls on him to be that calm in that game at that moment. At the Super Bowl, 1989. Super Bowl 23. Joe Montana's teammates were like, it, Niners are down. The to teammates the, are waiting for Montana in the huddle. Yep, down And they're the waiting for him to give the, like, Coach O'Shea Cherry Hill speech from Little Giants. <laughs> yes. They're waiting for the speech. And he comes in the huddle, and they're all waiting with bated breath. And he goes, hey, isn't that John Candy? And it was like, it literally says the balls on that guy because Joe Montana, he was so... 
Yeah, calm. He, he was calm. It's cool Joe. And he like chilled them all out. They get hyped. They go down. They take the, uh, make the winning drive. So basically Sonny uses this anecdote to tell Allie just for once, I want my team. I want my guys. I yeah. want to see what I can do with my guys. So my next one, let's just talk about it. Draft night in the war room. Sonny's wheeling and dealing. He's drafted Vontae. World War Three has started in Cleveland. Sonny's going to get shit canned. Anthony comes back from the draft. Sonny, talk to me, you piece of shit. And then all of a sudden, when he's talking to Allie in that scene, they tell Sonny, you need to get back in here because Bo's falling. So like Kevin brought up, we get to six. He calls Jeff Carson, the most inept general manager. I don't give a shit if he's a rookie or not. Should never be in that position. So he ends up starting to wheel and deal with Tom from Seattle, where he does the infamous, I want all my draft picks back. You can be the savior. You can be the one that drafts Bo Callahan. It's what the fans in Seattle want. And he's like, fine, I'll give you my number threes. And then all of a sudden he goes, what else do we need? Uh, uh, Special teams. Putney, get Putney. Yeah, David Putney. 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 Yeah. Putney. Hello? Sonny? I'm sorry, that deal's now off the table. What? We live in a different world than we did just 30 seconds ago. What? What do you want now? I want my picks back. And I want David Putney. I need a punt returner. Where the that come from? It doesn't matter. I want all my picks back and I want David goddamn Putney just because I feel like it. You're out of your mind. Yeah, I am. Haven't I proved that already? You make this deal right now, Tom, and you get Bo Callahan. Say it with me. Want all my three number ones, and I want David Putney. And it throws off. I want David goddamn Putney David because Go- I feel like you it. You pancake-eating motherfucker, and it's the almost amazing scene. I've seen this movie numerous times. I don't know how you feel, but every time I see that scene, I don't give a shit if I'm by myself. I don't care if I'm with you. I fucking cheer. Yeah. Because in real life, as Stay a- Say it Bra- with me, Tom. Yes. As a Browns fan, as a Cleveland fan, we've had very minimal moments in the history of Cleveland sports so we live vicariously through the movies they show us major league and this was another momentous thing that gives us hope as browns fans it's so great too because we get the owners there to fire him oh chicken and when he's like we still have bo callahan <laughs> and sunny so sunny has to tell everyone in the room like shut the fuck up yeah. I, let me do my job and then like the uh, right when he says that everybody's like gonna let him make the call well, the, Penn wants to quit yeah, as the Penn coach, too. Quit. The owner comes in and is like, you're a dead man. And Sonny's like, just wait. Let me do my job. If you still want to fire me, then fucking fire me. So the owner's like, we still have Bo Callahan. And he's like, wait. So he trades the pick. But this, to me, leads into my last scene, which is they get the pick. They, you know, Seattle takes Bo at six. Browns are at seven. And he goes, all right, what do we need? And Coach Penn's been shouting at the whole movie. And he yeah. goes, we need a running back. Okay, this means we're picking next, all right? Back at seven, where we started. Tom's gonna take Bo, so who do we got? Ray Jennings. We take Ray Jennings. That's right, Cleveland royalty. Haven't I been telling everybody that that's what we need, a running back? Still wanna quit, coach? What? Does this sound like a team that you wanna coach? Because the Browns are ready to roll. We just need the right man at the wheel. I can coach this team. I know you can. Why don't you give Ray Jennings a call? Ask him if he wants to be a Brown and tell him to pack his bag so he can join us at our party. My pleasure, boss. 
Legacy. But when they call Ray Jennings, Terry Crews, man. Hello? Ray. Coach Penn of the Cleveland Browns. Hey, Coach. How would you like to play for your pops' old team? Gonna be a Brown. Oh! <laughs> You're gonna be a Brown. He's uh, like the MVP in the God. 30 seconds he's in this movie because Terry Crews' character, Ray Jennings' dad, was a Cleveland Brown. Yep. Hello? Sonny, Earl Jennings. Hey, Earl, you with your boy today? Yeah. You guys in the Big Apple? Listen, um, Sonny, it's none of my business who you drafted in. All right? Ray will play for whoever wants it. But. If you're thinking of picking him, I need you to know that I raised Ray Wright. And his son had issues yes. like gang violence right. and all that stuff. But he was yeah. like, but I want him to be a Brown. And when Coach Penn calls and you see Terry Crews and his eyes are tearing up. Says nothing. Says nothing, but just to watch his eyes tear up. And then Ray Jennings takes the phone and he basically says, do you want to be a Cleveland Brown? And when he says, dad, I'm going to be a Brown. And Terry Crews yeah. makes this noise. Dude, I have like goosebumps. Yeah. Just like Terry Crews does not get enough credit no, for how great he is. He's really, really great. So my final one at the draft party, the first round's over back in Cleveland for the VIPs. Intern Rick, I feel bad for for this guy throughout this whole movie he just gets shit on left right and center from Sonny so he's drunk pretty much everybody's drunk and he's just talking to Sonny like when you were like I want all my picks back and I want David goddamn Putney because I feel like it like how did you come up with that I was pissed that post-draft party is like, so Anthony Molina, the owner, has this assistant and she's got so much hair. She said that the thickest head of a hair. Ton. And in the post-draft party, you see her sitting between the war room guys and she's like kissing one. Yeah. I'm like, what a weird, like. Dynamic. Just a weird thing. They're just like panning through and then it's like, oh, that's a weird throwaway little thing. But yeah. And then the owner gets up on stage and goes, we had a great day. We had a great day. Frank, yeah. Frank Langella has played in some of amazing movies yeah. you always hear the story maybe we cover this movie one day when we do masters yes, of the we're universe we're absolutely going to he put a hundred percent into being skeletal like, i'm gonna win an oscar as skeletor on fucking real we had a great day <laughs> all right let's uh i don't think there was a pool in this there was a water park though <laughs> there's a dungeon drop you see that that's the dungeon drop kids waited an hour to take it it's exactly 50 feet from the end of the slide right into the pool Huge splash. Anybody within shouting distance would have gotten completely soaked. And people pay for that. So I guess it counts. Kids, get in a car. We're going to Geauga Lake. All right. We did draft day. So we're going to draft something. Oh. We are going to draft 2014 as a whole. The so whole smash. Music, movies, pop culture, news a, events, a whatever. A cornucopia. If you um, now the way a draft works is we're just going to go pick for pick. If Jim picks something, I know there's some, some notable things. If Jim picks something, I can't pick it. And I got to go to something else and, and so on. We'll just do five each. Jim, we should flip a coin or something. To decide who goes first. All right, here we go. You call it in the air. Ready? Heads. You got the number one pick. Sweet. The 2014 draft is officially open. All right. My first overall pick from 2014 is real depressing. It's Robin Williams' suicide. We have just received word that the Academy Award winning actor and comedian Robin Williams has died. Williams was found dead in his residence in Marin County, California. 
The sheriff's office says that suicide is suspected suicide by asphyxia. Uh, so in 2014, August 11th, Robin Williams was found dead in his home, suicide by hanging. His mental health was eroding over the year prior, and it was like either cause or effect. He was suffering from dementia, <sighs> and he was starting to like lose his, he was having major memory this loss. This destroyed and, me. I know, and I was going to say that. I think you're a much greater Robin Williams fan than yeah. I am, but he obviously had a tremendous impact on pop culture and the zeitgeist. I mean, isn't it crazy to think about that it's been almost nine years yeah. since that happened? I mean, time goes so fast. It's been almost nine years since since Robert Robert Robin Williams' death. It's just unbelievable. It's such like a shocking thing too, because you know I don't think anyone knew of his struggles and stuff. No, like, because he never let on. And yeah. you see all these videos of, you know, Robin Williams, like there'd be somebody sitting on a bench and they're crying and here comes Robin Williams or Robin Williams was notorious for if he worked on a movie set and if there were homeless people yeah. around, he would hire them. Yeah. And I'll never forget like one of my biggest, like before we started podcasting, I did, I worked radio in Cleveland and radio in college. And one of my biggest inspirations growing up trying to learn radio was when Robin Williams played Adrian Cronauer yeah. in Good Morning Vietnam. And I'll never forget getting the news nine years ago that he died. I wept. So one of my, I think my gripes with Rob Williams and one of the reasons I was probably never as big a fan. And some people think of this as like a funny anecdote, but it just bothered me for some reason. When Robin Williams was stand up comedian in L.A., he would go see young and up and coming comedians. He would sit in the crowd with a notebook and he would steal their jokes. And like, I don't know why it bothers me yeah. as badly as it did, because I guess back then it like, cause now that's a whole thing. Like you stole oh, my bit after the know, whole, uh, what's his degenerous name? and like, uh, Georgia, uh, I'm going to say George R. R. Martin, George R. R. Martin <laughs> stole all his jokes George, from game of Thrones. Um, Oh, not George Lopez. Um, Oh, what's uh, Carlos Mencia. Carlos Mencia stole a bunch Joe of jokes Rogan. and there was, yeah. uh, Ellen DeGeneres was like stealing David cross jokes or something. So there was, um, you know, this, this has been, a thing but now more than ever it's like you're stealing my bit but like to think Robin Williams comedians were afraid to do their best stuff if they spotted Robin Williams because they knew he was going to sit in the crowd and write down their jokes and then take them improve Which, them in a, in a way it's like flattering yeah but at the same time it's like why didn't you just ask somebody like to write jokes for you it's true I don't know it just it always rubbed me the wrong way kind of so my number one pick in the 2014 draft I select LeBron comes home to Cleveland. LeBron James tells Sports Illustrated, quotes, I'm going home. The four-time NBA MVP will return to the Cleveland Cavaliers, where he began his career. Just four years after the decision, LeBron was at the same crossroads again. It came down to staying in Miami or returning to Cleveland. In choosing the Cavs, LeBron says, I'd always believe that I'd return to Cleveland and finish my career there. Wow, that was 2014. It's crazy, isn't it? So, full disclosure, I was beyond livid and pissed off when LeBron did the decision on ESPN saying, yeah. you know, I'm going to take my talents to Miami. I fucking was so, I was livid. Like, I was seething livid. So, I was just like, fuck him. And he wins two championships in Miami. Like, this fucking sack of shit. So, then he's like, I want to do things right. I want to come home to Cleveland. So, my dad still has never forgiven him. Like, he's fucking dead yeah. to him. Comes home to Cleveland. All of a sudden, the Browns, uh, the Browns, I wish he played for the Browns, too. <laughs> he could have. He could have. State, state. St. Vincent, St. Mary's, yeah. yeah. Cavs start winning. 
It just sucks that the Warriors started ascending at the same time. But finally, in 2016, down 3-1, the first team in history to come back from 3-1, win the NBA championship, the block, the shot by Kyrie, LeBron comes home and gives Cleveland their first championship since the, was it the Browns? Yeah, since the Browns in 54. So it's like, shit, man. I All was forgiven. And then you see the, I'll never forget the scenes the Cleveland oh, yeah. championship three, rate. Three million people for the three parade. million people that I mean, all of that happened in 2016. Yeah, but, 2016. But it, in order for that to happen, he had to come back in 2014. Exactly. Now, if there was a Republican rally, they will use the Cleveland footage and say, look how many people showed up and are like, they're all wearing Cavs uniforms, you idiots. <laughs> But goddamn, he came home, won us a championship. Now he's out in L.A. I think he's going to win another championship. I see Bronny is going to USC. There's always I always wonder if he's going to come back and eventually own the Cavs. I don't know. But thank you, LeBron, for giving us probably the only championship Kevin and I will ever see in our lives. Probably. So this is kind of a loose pick. And Jim, if there's a specific movie you want to draft, I'll allow you to still draft it. But I am picking the entirety of the 2014 films oh. film business because okay. the number one movie at the box office for 2014 and I'm picking this kind of in a negative way because the the 2014 number one movie at box office as I said Transformers Age of Extinction which is very oh. surprising followed by Hobbit Battle of the Five Armies, Guardians of the Galaxy, which is awesome. Yeah, Volume 3 just came out. Maleficent and Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1. The best film at the Oscars, which actually occurred the following January, February, ended up being Boyhood, which is a good movie, but more so known for its hyper-realism. In fact, it was shot over 11 years. Birdman with Michael Keaton is awesome. I love that movie. But that was basically Michael Keaton's Welcome Back to Hollywood. Yeah, I don't think it's like a legendary movie or anything, no. but it's a good movie. Whiplash was great, but it's just like in hindsight, when you look back at 2014, you're like, not a good year for, no. for Hollywood, for not at all. movies. You know, there is a movie which may get drafted is probably one of my top five favorite movies, but did not even make a dent at the box office. Yeah. I don't even know if it was released in theaters. Well, it wasn't a superhero or fantasy movie. Yeah, so. but 2014, when you look back, you're like, what happened to movies? You know, yeah. you're like, this this wasn't a, a good year. There was no fast movie that year. Yeah. There is coming up, folks. Yippee! So now my number two pick in the 2014 draft, here's a little funny thing. Speaking of movies, I select John Travolta saying Adele Dezim. Oh, God, yeah. Adina Menzel. Is it Idina Menzel? Idina Menzel. Idina Menzel. From the Oscar-winning animated movie Frozen, please welcome the wickedly talented one and only Adele Dazim. This thing swept through the internet. It swept through the news because Scientology's own John Travolta, the man who came before Tom Cruise, mind you, decides to trottle his ass out on the stage at the Oscars. And it's time, kids, to sing some Frozen. Let's him come out and <laughs> let me introduce to you Adele Dazim. Adele Dazim. <laughs> are you doing what John? happened with the teleprompter <laughs> i can't so who is he ron burgundy i can't even look at john travolta now what is he now it looks like <laughs> he, like, he now he looks like he glues on his beard yeah. is that what happened with your ot8 he <laughs> 
Like you just glue beard. that commercial with Zach Braff and Donald Faison. Yeah. And he's singing the Grease stuff. And I'm like, who the fuck is that? And he's bald now? He's like a fat bald guy with a painted on beard. I'm like, who is that? He it looked does- like he was caught in a nuclear blast, but the hydrogen bomb blast because oh. all the thetans being released through Xenu. Broken Arrow. That's right. Uh, Get that merch. Fucking awesome movie. I have, fuck, I'm picking a depressing list. I don't mean to. It's legitimately <laughs> depressing. It's 2014. Uh, Malaysia Airline Flight 370 disappears. Breaking news tonight, a Malaysia Airlines flight with 239 people on board, including four Americans, has gone missing. At this hour, a desperate search is underway for MH Flight 370, which departed Kuala Lumpur at 12.41 a.m. local time and was due to land in Beijing at 6.30 a.m. Netflix documentary. Is there a Netflix documentary? I watched it like a month ago. A really plane good. carrying hundreds of passengers lost communication, and we still don't know there what are happened so to many it. conspiracy theories. Was it an inside job? Was it China? My mom was like fucking enamored with this. Yeah. Like my mom was like watching all the footage and coverage. Like there was like a ton. Remember like in the 70s and 80s, there was always terrorist bombings. And then there was TWA Flight 800. Yeah. This was the next like Yeah, but they big, always find them or this, like they know what happened. Like Malaysia the, Airlines was like. It disappeared. It's on the island from Long. It's literally, they don't know if it went north. They didn't know if it went south. They're like, oh, some washed up on the shores of fucking Zimbabwe. No idea. No one knows. It's fucking crazy. My number three pick in the 2014 draft, and I took part in this, and you know, it's really cool. It was a trend that swept the nation. The ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. Oh, that was 2014. It's crazy. Yeah. I can remember I did it. Everybody did it. Voluntary waterboarding. <laughs> Jesus. But I, it brought awareness to Lou Gehrig's disease and everybody did it. I did it. I, I think I did a vine of it in 2014. Tout, you touted it. I touted it. I'm James Sabella and I was nominated to do the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. It's basically just to raise awareness for Lou Gehrig's disease and help donate and fight the battle to overcome this tremendously bad disease. Now, normally people at this spot will challenge people to do this, but you know what? A lot of people aren't into doing that kind of thing. So what I'm just gonna urge people is to donate, raise awareness, and do whatever you can to help fight this battle. So I challenge all of you to donate to ALS.org. Do what you can. Yeah, it was a craze that swept the nation. One of those internet things that comes through every two or three years. But at the time, everybody did it. I jumped off the bridge with him and did it too. So another depressing one. Jesus, fucking, Kevin. 2014 must have been fucking brutal. Ultimate Warrior returns to Raw, dies the next day. God damn, that was the weirdest thing ever. So this is the same year the WWE Network launched. So yeah. I'm going to take a two for one pick. Ultimate Warrior left WWE, WWF at the time in November of 92. He came back briefly in 96, but like that one was- One Warrior Nation. That was Michael Jordan on the Wizards. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like- It was awful. It was a different thing. Yeah. But so the Ultimate Warrior we knew basically left WWE in 92. Jim Helwig. But in 2014, they decided they were 
are going to induct him into the WWE Hall of Fame. Forget about all that racist shit. All is well. Yeah. So they induct him in WWE Hall of Fame. He shows up on Raw the night after WrestleMania. Sweating like a fiend. Bright red. For the first time since 96. So he cuts a promo. Legendary promo. And then the next day he died of a heart attack. And it's so strange that like how it happened because for a long time, even, I mean, what are we, nine years removed from that? There's conspiracy theories that like WWE knew he was dying. That's why they put him in the Hall of Fame. And that's why he like agreed to do it because he was dying. And it's like, he didn't. He just literally patched up his relationship with Vince McMahon, went to WWE Hall of Fame, went on Raw, and then just coincidentally died the next day. Years of juicing, man. It was his heart, right? 54 years old. Yeah, Yeah. massive heart attack. He was like outside walking to his car or something, grabbed his heart, collapsed, dead. So my number four pick in the 2014 draft, it's one of those things that influenced a generation. The serial podcast becomes a phenomenon. There's been another shocking twist in the murder case that inspired the hit podcast Serial nearly a decade ago. Adnan Syed was sentenced 23 years ago to life in prison for the killing of his ex-girlfriend. He was freed last year after the podcast raised doubts about the case against him. Now an appeals court has effectively restored his conviction. When it comes to true crime, like we dabbled with last week with Banana Boy himself and the Bleefer, if it's not for Serial and, you know, you hear all these things about Leakin Park in Baltimore, this inspired a generation, thousands of podcasters to be like, I like murder. I'm going to do murder podcasts. And it just yeah. swept the nation by storm. Now, the Serial podcast itself, I don't know if it's still active anymore. It might be. I'm not sure because the true crime genre is kind of enveloped everything. So I can't keep them all, you know, aligned. Yeah, right. But yeah, serial podcast, huge for podcasting. Okay, my final pick, my number five, against me, transgender dysphoria blues. So Laura Jane Grace had come out as trans publicly in 2012 to Rolling Stone magazine. I can remember exactly where I was, which is weird when that happened. I was walking in in downtown Youngstown, going to Cavalli Center for something and remembered seeing like Rolling Stone tweeted it or something. So this was the first Against Me album to be put out or released since her transition. So there was like a lot of questions, speculation and like cynicism about what this album was going to sound like and what's, you know, what's Against Me going to sound like with a trans, like a woman singer or whatever. But all those questions went out the window like one minute into the album because it was like the same ass kicking against me. Fucking awesome. Great album. So yeah, it was, it was a big deal at the time because like, again, it was the the first album since all of that happened. So with my final pick in the 2014 draft, and then after this, I have a couple undrafted picks that are kind of legendary, but my fifth and final pick, the Taco Bell breakfast menu is created. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, controversial pick. You want to know why? Because out of all the fast food breakfast options, taco, goddamn. Bell is the best fast food breakfast on the planet. To show you just how much people are loving Taco Bell's all-new breakfast, we asked some very special people. My name is Ronald McDonald. You're home! I am Ronald McDonald. I'm Ronald McDonald Jr., and this is Ronald McDonald III. My name is Ronald McDonald. 
you think? It's really good. I was surprised how good it is. I love the new AM Crunch Wrap. I'm Ronald McDonald. Ronald McDonald. I'm Ronald McDonald. I love Taco Bell's new breakfast. A delicious new breakfast everyone can love, even Ronald McDonald. So I get a steak AM Crunch Wrap, extra sauce. But here's the thing Taco Bell breakfast missed the boat by a mile. I love Taco Bell breakfast. Yeah, I'm super stellar. into it. It's always good. Into it. Exactly. But. Coffee sucks, though. McDonald's breakfast, Wendy's breakfast, Burger King breakfast. It's American breakfast bullshit. It's fucking terrible eggs. Wendy's breakfast smells like they bake it in cigarettes. Yeah, it's artificial eggs, microwave bacon. It's horrible. Old sausage patties. It's all the same shit. But Taco Bell, so Mexican breakfast is good. Oh, it's Huevos Rancheros. All these other, like, awesome Mexican breakfast items. Taco Bell could have literally been like, we're going to go in the opposite direction. McDonald's. McDonald's has fucking McGriddles and sausage McMuffins. Great. Wendy's going to knock off McDonald's. Burger King's going to knock off McDonald's. Why don't we do fucking hot sauce and fucking potatoes and like bowl, a breakfast bowl, shit like that. Taco Bell, I think, tried to do some of that stuff and then ended up just leaning into more of like a little bit of a spin, like American breakfast traditional items with their ingredients. I agree. But crunch wraps are amazing. Here's another idea. And I think I talked to this with shout out to Carrie Sturdivant. Why doesn't Chipotle do breakfast? I think it's a because grave disservice that they don't. They have, if Chipotle opened at seven and from seven to 11 did a breakfast buffet of like Mexican inspired, not that oh. Chipotle is real Mexican, but like no. Mexican inspired Mexican breakfast bowl, you know, whatever. Put some eggs on that son bitch. Eggs, oh. salsa, hot sauce, you know, whatever protein. Perfect. Money. So, Kevin, do you have any undrafted picks? Uh, we do. So, one of my favorite movies, like, it is literally a, a humongous comfort item for me. It's the movie Chef. Jean Favreau. Why did I say it? Like, he's French. <laughs> Jean, Jean Favreau. Jean Favreau Chef. Um, he's, uh, have you ever seen it? I've heard of it. Fucking I've never seen it. it. Fucking love it so much. Every time I'm having, like, a bad day or something, like, Chef is always, like, such, like, a chase your dreams, like, feel-good movie. It's about, like, a, a high-end chef who gets hired at, like, a restaurant, but the owner's, like, always meddling and like wanting to control his menu and not he basically loses his passion for cooking because his chefs or his owners like nope this is what you're making like most of them like most of them exactly so he basically gets fired because of a social media rant starts a food truck travels the country with his son showing him how to operate a food truck fucking awesome I love it I love that movie Bill Cosby rape allegations came out in 2014 oh yeah obviously it'd been happening for a long time but just uh, announced and came out 2014 the song Happy by Pharrell. Yeah. Well, that song still won't fucking go away. Nope. <laughs> Fancy by Iggy Azalea. We took my cousin Corey, who's been on this podcast, yeah. to Vegas for his 21st birthday. And we were in the pool. We were fucking hammered because I started drinking at like 7 a.m. And uh, this girl approaches us and I'm like, oh, God. She comes up to me and Corey and she goes, you better know all the words to I'm So Fancy by Iggy Azalea. I will never forget that. <laughs> I'm in the swimming pool with the flamingo and this girl just approaches us and says, speaking of Vegas, quick tangent, nothing to do with 2014. The Oakland A's. Yeah are moving to Las Vegas. Originally, as I understand, they had a plot of land over by the football stadium where they're going to put the baseball stadium. Perfect. Cross the highway from the strip. Yeah. Right next to the strip. You can see the strip, but it's on the other side of the highway. Perfect. Great. Apparently, their new site is they're going to tear down the Tropicana, which 
I wouldn't consider the Tropicana to be on the strip. It kind of is. It's behind MGM, but it's sort of around the corner heading towards the airport. They're going to tear down the Tropicana and put the baseball stadium like right there on the strip. Super weird decision. Yeah. Thinking about it today, because we were talking about it at work, I deal a lot with Las Vegas and the casino industry. If they build the stadium so that the open part of the stadium faces the lights of the strip, it's going to be fucking awesome. It's going to look great, but I just, I don't agree with it. So back to 2014, Jim's favorite song, Am I Wrong by Nico and Vince. Oh, the full Nelsons. Turn down for what, Lil John? Taylor Swift, shake it off. David Letterman's retirement. Yeah. And a big one, the fact that we were living in a world two years prior to Trump's election. Yeah. Remember those days? All right, so my undrafted list, Apple forcing you two onto our phones. Remember when that shit happened, you yeah. couldn't delete it? Uh. From that moment on, Apple Music to me yeah. was dead Everybody on Everybody plugged in their phone into their car and it just started and I smashed my fucking iPhone on the ground. Kim and Kanye started. Great. Fuckers. Zach Brown, not the band, but Z-A-C-K Brown of Columbus, raised 55000 on Kickstarter for making potato salad. What? Whatever. He literally said, I can make potato salad and started Kickstarter, made 55 grand. Love it. Why good, can't good we do this him, shit? I'll make potato salad. Spin it. That's we'll money. do our own potato salad spin. I'll make it with my ass. I have no idea. And then you spoke of Pharrell, his Arby's hat. Yeah. That massive Arby's hat. Yeah, what a weird thing. Spun the world in 2014 when President Obama was still the president of the United States. Yeah. <laughs> Two years before hell came down upon us all. It's been that way ever since yeah uh, all right well let's get back in line for the dungeon drop and with the next pick in the 2014 nfl draft the seattle seahawks select bo callahan quarterback University of you know i gotta go there jim Uh-oh. is bo a bust what is Bo's career? Ooh. Okay, so Bo Ridley Callahan, which what a fucking name that is. Bo Callahan's a great name. The Ridley ad, not so great. He's not Ellen Ripley. I think, like I said, with one of my favorite scenes with Vontae showing that Bo gets easily rattled. And then when the Browns don't draft him, number one, he runs out like a fucking baby. Oh, imagine how Fuck. big of a thing that would be. You need to get back inside. What just happened? This is the NFL draft. These things happen all the time. Now, trust me. These teams, they don't want a quarterback that panics. I need you to come inside now. Every owner would see that and be like, fuck, he's falling out of round one, yeah. at least. You're going to get him for round two money for that kind of action. Puff Daddy be like, Everybody saw you do that. You get back in there. So that proved Vontae's point that once this kid is rattled, he's done for. I will say right now, Bo Callahan goes to Seattle. He becomes Jamarcus Russell. He busts out of the league because you see that once he is rattled, he's fucked. He's too much in his own head because he's lived this dream as Bo Callahan. He has no friends. He proved that people don't want to be around this guy. I don't know. This is Bo. Hey, Bo. How you doing? Well, I'm good, Mr. Weaver. Excited to be part of the NFL, you know? Good. That's great, Bo. Thrilled to hear that. Listen, I'm going to ask you something. I want you to be absolutely honest with me. You think you can do that? Yeah, sure anything, Mr. Weaver. Oh, did your teammates come to your birthday party? What? For your 21st birthday party, I'm asking, did your teammates at Wisconsin Come to that party or not? Uh, look, Mr. Weaver, this isn't something I'm really very proud of, sir, but um, 
I don't really remember a single thing from that night. You know what? I don't remember mine either. Thanks, Bo. Talk to you later. Was it the same? Why didn't they come to his birthday party then? Well, did they? They did. And the cops just didn't want to jam him up, as as, uh, (laughs) Sam Elliott says. So here's my comp. I think Bo ends up being Aaron Rodgers. Ooh. He's got the goods, but he's a big time diva head case. (sighs) He's a fucking weirdo. Does he go to a darkness thing? So Ayahuasca. Bo's talent is undeniable, but again, he's just, it's something, he's a fucking weirdo, you know? So maybe he wins a Super Bowl, but I do think Brian Drew is a perennial pro bowler, and I think Vontae is defensive player of the year candidate, you know, regularly. And funny enough, Brian Drew, based on Phil Sims, who went on to win the Giants their first Super Bowl. Yeah, so, at the expense of Scott Norwood's foot. Yeah, so Brian Drew maybe goes on, maybe wins a Super Bowl. I think Bo probably gets a Super Bowl, but I think he's impossible to deal with. Funny thing, though, Bo Callahan, I think in real life at the time, was the actor who played him. 31 playing 22. I was like, yeah. he looks a little old to be in college. Right, Just right. Same with Vontae. 30, so I'm like, is he fucking whatever. Brandon Whedon at this point? All right. Someone that did not get drafted to the ire of an owner because he showed up and he's in Seattle. So the Seahawks didn't take him. Mr. David McCall. Hey, Sonny Weaver, you know who I am. I play football, okay? If you don't fucking draft me, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to kill Bo Callahan. His middle name's Ridley, right? You know what my middle name is? Nicole Fava. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. That's the best one ever. <laughs> hey, I'm going to really kill you. Um, so I'll start off. I started off with, think everything in this episode. I'll just oh, keep the theme alive. Got so much. First off, uh, we do. We both both have a lot. Oh. This movie geographically makes no sense. So Break it down, we Kevin. We are 60 miles from Cleveland. About an hour. Yeah, about an hour. So if you watch this movie and know anything about Cleveland, you will understand that Sonny Weaver's trip makes no sense. So he starts his morning at his house, which is in Rocky River outside of Cleveland, a suburb. Beautiful home. Yes. His first stop is at a gas station, which exists in Ohio City. So that drive from Rocky River to Ohio City is about 20 minutes. He takes an indirect route so that like we see him driving downtown. So that would probably add 30 minutes to go the long way. And we should preface this by saying on screen, they show the amount of time that's passing. Yes, they do. So his next stop is he meets the team owner at the Jug Lake Water Park, which was called Wild Water Kingdom. Wild Water Kingdom. There you go. The old Sea World. This is about 45 minutes outside of Cleveland. Oh, so in this movie, they're basically in this universe. They're basically telling us it's near there, but it's 45 minutes outside of Cleveland. Next, he goes to the team offices, which are in Berea, but somehow on his way to Berea, he drives by the West side market, the very famous oh, yeah. West side market. So Geauga Lake to the office should be about 45 minutes, 40 minutes, but somehow again, he goes downtown that adds an extra 20 minutes factoring in like traffic because it, I mean, Cleveland's not the busiest traffic place but factor in traffic. He takes essentially a two hour drive to get to work on his busiest day of the year. And they show that like when he drives by Westside Market, it says 939. And then like the next scene gives a countdown to the draft that says 10 hours and 20 minutes. The draft is at 8 p.m. this year. So the next scene occurs one minute later. He's in Berea. Like, it yeah, just, no like he has a, a portal. He has a time machine. 
I mean, it goes on and on. Like there are so many just like moments in this movie that make no sense geographically. I get it. It's it's not a heinous like yeah. offense, but for anybody who knows the Cleveland area, it's familiar with Cleveland. It makes no sense. He doesn't have a fucking TARDIS. Okay, he can't yeah. control time and space. Right. Speaking off that, let's get to my first one. Why the fuck does Anthony want to meet with Sonny at Giaga Lake Wild Water Kingdom when he easily could have met in his office? But then I started thinking, I think I know why. Yeah, I think I know why. Is it because the line that he uttered? Was it the line? I like Bonte Mac. He's special. He's different. He could transform our defense, even as a rookie. Defense doesn't make a splash. Sonny. People pay to get wet. Defense doesn't make a splash. The fans want to get wet. Is that because yes, they it's me- a metaphor? Fuck. I want to make a splash. Fuck. I'm at a water park. There's a big splash. He talks about the dungeon drop exactly 50 feet from the slide to the pool, which to me seems dangerous. The fact that he logistically knows about the right as if he has a fucking side <laughs> company that built that water slide. But I want to know the phone call that Anthony calls Sonny. Hey, do you want me to meet you in the office, Anthony? No, I'm at Jogga Lake. <laughs> we had a good day at G. Like, meet me in the fucking wave pool. We rode the Big Dipper. We almost got ejected from our seat. <laughs> I just find it weird. It's like, meet at the I office. I rode the Mind Eraser. <laughs> I would love, as he's walking out of Giaga Lake, one of the, like, the people are like, hope you had a good day, sir. He turns around and goes, I had a great day. We rode the double loop. <laughs> Uh, we ate a picnic at the pavilions <laughs> by the double loop. We had a great day. One of my biggest pet peeves about this movie, it's just lazy writing, in my opinion, to add an extra character. Why the fuck does Rick the intern start on draft day? <laughs> of all things. I mean, they make a comment oh. that the normal secure, like secretary guy has mono, but like, do you then need that person for the day? Or like, can someone else in the office fill in? Because like, you can't have someone's first day in a job be draft day. And not only does he fill in on draft day, but he just like gets thrown into the fire as to what's expected in his role. And Sonny is not happy that he's there. Like there is an internship because I want this internship. There's an internship that's a direct answer, a direct secretary to the general manager of a football team, of a football team. I want that job. I want that internship. I also want to know, because right off the bat, Sonny is very combative that he has this new intern that he has to deal with on draft day. Who is this? Fuck this yeah. guy. I want to know why later on, why is intern Rick's laptop in Sonny's office yes. that Sonny chucks against the fucking wall yeah. that Rick has a mental breakdown? Yeah. Rick, what are you doing? Someone broke my computer. You know, okay, can you believe that? I mean, this thing had my entire life on it, and I don't know. I, who would do that? It was me. I threw it against the wall. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. Why did you do that? Look, I lost my head, okay? I've been, I've been stepping on my dick all day. Look, we'll, we'll get you a new one, all right? We'll get you a better one. The one with all the bells and whistles. Look, you've been a soldier today, all right? You don't deserve this, okay? 
Good. My whole life was on that. Why would you do that? My whole life. Why the fuck is your whole life on your intern computer that should not have any personal information on because it's owned by the Cleveland Browns? Why is it in Sonny's office? You're not allowed in there. You're an intern. It's not an HP Intel. It's an HP intern. It's a Sonny's like, listen, buy a new one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you should. It's owned by the fucking Browns, Sonny. You broke your own shit. God damn it. All right. My next one. I'm very sorry. (laughs) I get very fucking thrown off here. So my next one, is it not? And granted, he's the general manager of the Cleveland Browns. However, I'll say it like we did with fucking country strong. Is it not an ethical issue to be stooping the finance girl who works underneath you? Should you not? And they're going around in secret, but everybody knows. Don't you have to disclose that? I think that's part of the problem. Yeah. They've gone too far, which is my next logic. So Jim, how old do we think Allie is? I would say Allie is mid thirties. Okay. I would say comfortably 35, 36. Okay. So when this movie came out, Kevin Costner's 59. Jennifer Garner was, I think, 42. Okay. They're having a baby. So if we go by their real ages, that is a very high risk pregnancy. Oh, hey, good for his sperm though, man. Good for his sperm. You know, high, very high risk pregnancy. Uh, they've got the money yeah, for yeah, the, yeah. the care. And then two, when Sonny's child would graduate high school, he would be approximately 77 years old. So, well, which do you hear about De Niro? <laughs> fucking 79 got number seven on the way. Insane. Good for him, man. That's He's got that power cock. But I want to know, we talked about this when we were golfing did kevin coster a just ferment his eyebrows b just recovered from a burn or c is it some sort of weird botox injection thing because there's certain angles when i'm like that looks off to me like did he fall in a vat of just for men is this cgi that happened to me i tried just for men once i didn't get burned or fall into a vat of just for men when they say everybody this is a a thing what you need this to is understand a this is a user error it's a, this is a user error but i think everybody else should know this if it's says leave it on for 30 seconds leave it on for 30 seconds don't leave it on for five minutes yeah. because after i left it on for five minutes i looked like i was on a watch list <laughs> literally the dye i had to shave off everything and the dye was permanently on my skin for like three weeks so speaking of being on a watch list did you see on ebay someone is selling it's up the last i looked it was twenty five thousand dollars. someone is selling an undetonated sealed unabomber ted kaczynski package is that allowed? I don't think so. Can I just, Jesus Christ, at this rate, I'm just going to say I'm selling a diaper full of my shit autographed by Barry Bonds. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Weird. Uh, <laughs> so this movie obviously takes place in a multiverse or an alternate universe. Yeah. Because my uh, big pet peeve, like I'm a football nerd, but like big pet peeve, taking a 3-4 scheme linebacker number one overall does not make sense in modern NFL. It's more likely that Vontae should be listed as an edge or a defensive end because a 3-4 linebacker in modern NFL is basically a safety. So they're taking a drop back coverage linebacker for like certain packages number one overall now if he was a four three linebacker he's tj watt you know like yeah. not a three four linebacker no. it makes no sense so then after picking a three four scheme linebacker first overall they take a running back at six yeah the browns are going to be the worst team in the nfl we had a great day <laughs> yeah if this were the real nfl they'd be the laughing stock of the draft we're fucked <laughs> explain something to me though it seems like the only draft film or any type of like recruiting film they got for Vontae Mack is 
the Wisconsin game. No insult to Chadwick Boseman. Rest in peace. That fucking film looks like Vontae Mack is going two miles an hour yeah. to sack Bo Callahan. I would not be impressed by what well, is 6'2 speed. I have a logic issue about that exact scene. So they watch the footage of Bo panicking about Vontae. So when Sonny woke up in the morning, he pulled out a green note and he wrote Vontae Mack no, no matter, matter what. what. So he's been, you know, riding with Vontae this whole time. He knew he was taking Vontae. He loved Vontae. Everything about Vontae. This is my number one thing. They watch the footage where he gives, because when he says, what's missing? Coach Penn says the dumbest shit ever. He goes, what's missing? Fullback. Most teams don't run a fullback. It's not a fucking fullback. Nobody uses a fullback. Who runs a fullback in college? What are you talking about? So he says, not a fullback. It's not Georgia Tech. And so Coach Penn, he says, oh, oh, he got ejected. Sonny goes, what? Why did he get ejected? Why would he not know that? You should know that one of the number one prospects in the country got ejected. That's your job as the the general manager to know that. The guy who you're going to draft number one overall, no matter what. Yes, you didn't know that he got ejected in their high profile game. No matter what. Here's my next one. So like I brought this up to you and it drove me nuts. So we're at draft day. Anthony has a rock hard blue chew boner for Bo Callahan. Sonny hasn't said they're going to draft him, but everything looks like he's moved up to number one. He's going to take Bo. Anthony is on the private jet. It's fueled. He had his assistant get a Callahan jersey made with number one stitched perfectly. I don't think he got it on AliExpress. Maybe a Fanatics thing. Don't wash it more than twice. Wreck. He's on the side of the fucking stage. Also, Anthony kind of pompous. Like he tells Roger Goodell, you're in my suite. It's like, fuck you. You're the owner of the Cleveland Browns. You've won jack shit. We know personally. He's on the side of the stage ready to go out there to give his boner buddy Bo the jersey and the number one selection. Time's ticking down and in the NFL draft for those who are uninitiated, you have 10 minutes to make your pick. If you don't make your pick, Rich Eisen explains this. The next team can jump you and get that pick. So here we are. Anthony's on the side of the stage. Sonny finally calls into Marvin down in the pit locks eyes with Anthony on the side of the stage. Anthony throws his arms up. Marvin smiles, gives him a thumbs up and an okay. We're good to go. Sonny called. He does it again, gives him another thumbs up, knowing that the name that Sonny just called him to do or whoever in the war room that he's drafting Vontae Mack, yeah. not Bo Callahan. Why would Marvin give him two thumbs up, a head nod, a wink and a smile for him to not know that he's not drafting Bo Callahan? Yeah. Why is the owner of the Cleveland Browns? not looped into the fact that he's about to be humiliated on public TV. Meanwhile, starving Marvin, the gas station guy, he's giving him the fucking thumbs up that, hey, we're getting Bo. No, you're not. You're getting Vontae Mack. Yeah. Drives me up a wall. Yes. Football 24-7, 365 business. There is an NFL network. So imagine the reaction to Bo storming out of the room when he's not picked up first overall. Yeah. They'd be talking about that for a month. They would have three reporters in the yeah. back room saying Bo just stormed out. Yeah. Everyone's mad at Sonny because of the whole giving up the picks and then taking Vontae, that whole thing. But throughout the entire movie, they keep saying you gave up three number ones. You even said that earlier. He didn't give up three number ones. He gave up a pick swap 
top. Yeah. And, and then two, two number one, the next two years, giving up three number ones would mean they did not pick this year. He, they picked. So it's a pick swap and two number ones. It's not the new Orleans did 99 draft. I love Cleveland personally. Yeah, me too. Most people unfairly make Cleveland the butt of a joke, but I had to laugh when Bo's agent, Chris, when Sonny calls Bo and basically is like, we traded for the number one pick and he asks Bo whatever. And Bo says, I'm sorry about your father. And they hang up. And well, he had soon, to write him a note. He slid yeah, the note to him right. asking about his so father. As soon as they hang out, Chris has this huge smile on his face and looks at Bo and he goes, thank Chris for me. Talk to you later, pal. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Reaver. I look forward to meeting you, sir. Great job. It's all right. Cleveland. 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 It's like, no, no one's excited. <laughs> I mean, we can laugh at Cleveland, but like, no. Let's be honest though. It would have been Cleveland or Seattle. So you're dealing with elements yeah, regardless, regardless of where you go. But like, I don't know. There's Cleveland. Like, it's just funny to hear him like react that way. So here's another one for me, and it drives me nuts. So we talked about, you know, Bo Callahan, his teammates not showing up at his birthday party, the hundred dollar bill in the playbook. The one thing that was also brushed over from Sonny in the war room he walks in and he sees green lantern and the guy from veep looking at a website that bo callahan made of all yeah. the women he smashed well, i don't think bo made that website but he literally said bo made this website of all the women he well, smashed what? he said bo made it he's like uh mark zuckerberg when he, he made the face smash like the hot or not or so whatever. for him writing that in the script saying Bo made this for all the women he banged there's a fucking red flag there yeah, right that's the red flag uh, okay I'm not taking Bo Anthony come here Bo it, learned how to code so he can make this website <laughs> so are we gonna tell Anthony's gonna come in and go tonight I'm having a great day he's like hey I took this coding class so I can make a revenge <laughs> porn site Wait, what the uh, fuck so Allie is a huge football fan oh, she she's can amazing. recall specific plays and like stuff from old games but then when coach pan is like picking her brain she says hey ali how you doing who's jacked as everyone else around here about getting the first pick i don't really get jacked i just manage the cap like, I guess that's not logic. It's just an observation. But like, how is she like, she's obviously a huge football fan, but yeah. then she acts like she's not. I guess she's just good at doing her job and compartmentalizing. Did it also annoy you in that cafeteria scene that she opened up the bag of chips and then poured them out? Yeah, she pours them on her tray, barely eats Had anything, two, and, and then Coach left. Fan starts eating her food. <laughs> so she like gets annoyed. I he, think it just leaves. She and he hand lifted a waffle and ate it with their hands. Yeah, they just the fuck is wrong waffle, with you, man? Like, Ivan from uh, Stranger Things. Yeah. Millie Bobby Brown Bon Jovi. Yeah, there you go. Why would Coach Dickmore answer the phone while he's coaching at practice? Don't overthink this like your dad would have. No offense. Look, I love Bo. My coaches love him. The cheerleaders love him. The fans love him. Everyone loves him. And how come none of his teammates went to his birthday party? Are you kidding me with this? Seems relevant. You want to tear this kid down or what? No, I just like your take on it. Find it odd that nobody on the team was at their teammate's 21st birthday party. I don't know, Sonny. What do you think's more plausible? That nobody on an 85-person squad attended a party thrown by the captain? Or could it be that when the cops got to the place and realized that my boys had done nothing wrong, decided not to take down any of the players' names because they didn't want to jam up a bunch of good kids for doing nothing? <laughs> They're literally at practice. Hey, dude. And he goes... <laughs> 
Hey, Sonny, some of my finest work. What does that mean? And uh, why is he such an asshole? How did they get Sam Elliott for this? I don't know. Why is he such an asshole? Oh, he's horrible. He takes a shot at Sonny about his dad. Hey, fuck you. (laughs) Don't overthink this like your dead dad would. He doesn't think dead dad, dead, dude. Yeah, he. Yeah, I'm going to pour a Seuss and sarsaparilla on your dad's grave. I didn't get that LSU job up here fucking Wisconsin. Uh, But he basically hangs up on him and he's so pissed about how he hits the hang up button. He's so mad. But like, I guess there is some element of like, if you're a football coach, you do probably have this ego thing of being like, like if you're Ryan day from Ohio state, you probably secretly were hoping CJ Stroud went first overall. So you could be like, I coached the first. Overall I think pick. the best one would be Nick Saban. Yeah, there yeah. you go. But like, so why it's just weird to me that like, don't mess this up like your dad would. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you care? He's gone. You know, I'm the general manager of the Cleveland Browns and you're in fucking Wisconsin there, brother. Here's another <laughs> thing, brother, <laughs> brother. Hey, wall. So explain everybody. How did Jeff Carson get the general manager's job at Jacksonville nepotism or something for I being mean, such a fucking push. Uh, he has no idea I how to operate. Bad. They made the, ja- the Jaguars look terrible, like horrible. Like Cause everybody's all- like very like, you know, black hole sun faces at Jeff Carson for giving away the Sonny, six pick for Sonny. What, what, what'd you pass on Bo? What, what, what are you not telling me? Yeah. What you, I want three, number two. No. Boy. I want four. I want four number twos. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> to the point, everybody in the league seems to not know this guy's yeah. name. Yeah. Was it like, like that Jack in, Carson? Like that infant John Carson screw this <laughs> yeah, up. Jesus. It's like, no. So speaking of weird people in this movie, Vince Penn, I don't understand this whole dynamic. He was the coach of the Cowboys. Won him a ring. But then why did he get fired? I don't see. I didn't understand it because it sounded like to me he decided to leave. See, I think he like got the Super Bowl ring as an offensive coordinator or defense coordinator. You don't think he was head coach? I don't think he was, but like Sonny says something Special like teams coordinator. Sonny says something about like he inherited the team or yeah. something. So I don't know what that situation was, but he had a Super Bowl ring. The Browns brought me to Cleveland so that everybody could get one of these. How is it that the ultimate prize and the most macho sport ever invented is a piece of jewelry? He had his choice of any team and he picked the Browns. His wife doesn't like, she likes fancy people. She's a rich person. She didn't want to move to Cleveland. So from Dallas, but Penn, the coach is obsessed with the draft picks that Sonny gave away. So he tries to go behind Sonny's back, make a deal with the Buffalo bills to get this, the picks back. What's up? I just got off the phone with Max stone. Yeah. Everything's in Buffalo. Well, I guess you didn't ask him then when you called him behind my back. Max is an old friend of mine. He calls me up to congratulate us on the Callahan thing, and I express my opinions on the matter. He called you or you call him? Such a crazy day. Who remembers? Yeah, well, how about try and remember this? I can, and I will fire your ass. Then do it, Sonny. You actually think I'm going to give up Bo Callahan for Taylor and Castillo? Hmm? Maurice, Castillo. And draft picks. Okay, don't forget the draft picks, Sonny. You do remember what those are, right? At another point, so like he keeps saying, I can't coach a team without a future. But at another point, he talks about how much he hates rookie quarterbacks constantly. So like that's not his job. That is his job is to coach the players that Sonny gives him to coach. Yeah. And Sonny reiterates that yes. a lot to him. Yes. He's stupid. And it's like he likes Brian Drew. He wants a running back. But like it's just weird that he's so obsessed 
with the draft picks because ultimately a coach shouldn't really care about the draft picks that much. I mean, like if there's a player worth drafting, sure, but and you don't have a pick, but it's it's just weird. How great would have been after Sonny gets the seventh pick, doesn't get Bo, and what do we need? And Finn says, Ray Jennings. He picks somebody else. <laughs> Fuck you. Ray Jennings. Nah. I've, I've been saying I need a running back. Take the Browns Tab select. Horford. Yeah, Tab Horford. <laughs> Safety. <laughs> fullback. Yeah, fullback. <laughs> what was missing. So this is nuts. Unless it's in the will for Sonny's dad's ashes to be spread on draft day, it's fucking insane that shrimp hair pulls that shit. You want to spread these goddamn ashes? You do it tomorrow. No. I'm serious. No. Now then, are you going to read this prayer as your father asked you to? No, I'm not. Not today. Here's the thing. His dad would know more than everybody or anybody. Don't do extra shit on draft day. Yes. He would know not to do this This shit. This is mom purposely being a bitch. And the fact like she doesn't care to know Allie's name. Yeah. Roseanne Arquette's there. Why? Don't know. Because it comes across like she's his sister. Yeah, exactly. And like, she's like, we're going to go out. He wanted you to read the prayer. And it's a Gaelic prayer. Sonny is like any day, but today. Not fucking today. Not fucking. Fucking draft day, first round. It's a practice field. He got his well, name. Yeah. Why? It's a, he even he says, says it's a practice, practice field. field. Mom's like, Weaver Field. And she fucking pokes him in the chest so hard. The goddamn little leaguers aren't playing yeah. there. No. <laughs> fucking shrimp hair. But speaking of that, so interesting thing that I just thought of logic on the fly, a little 2.5 logic points left. This is just day one of the draft. <laughs> day one. We don't know night have two or three. Have they prepared anything? I nope. mean, they gave away their second rounders. So they don't have to worry about that. They're fine. But like, what about the third round and the fourth round? We need draft day two. We never hear about any of that. Yeah. And like, Sonny just seems to be like, I can have a fucking smoke now. So my last one, Seattle moves from number one to number seven to number six for nothing. They literally get the guy they wanted at six that they wanted it one seven million dollars cheaper without giving up anything for seven million dollars cheaper. I'm pretty sure that the league would investigate them in Cleveland for collusion. Oh, I would because think so. like how did that work out that Seattle moved six places back without any without nope. gaining anything? Literally got their player and saved seven point five million dollars. Everybody be like fishy would not happen in real life. Very fishy. And it yeah. would never happen. Bo would have got picked second. Oh, by so far. even if like a team because you make a big board. Yeah. And you literally like say, these are our top 10 players. This are needs. And this is what, you know? Yeah. And it's literally like, you know, teams either draft for need or draft best available. I'm pretty sure every team would have been, he's a multi-generational athlete. That's what every team's looking at. You draft it and you figure it out. Yes, exactly. You draft it and you figure it out. So what's the legacy of this movie? Cleveland, baby. It's an NFL licensed movie, which was interesting because they didn't have to use the the fucking, what did um, the sharks from Sunday? They didn't have to use like, fake teams. Yeah. They literally were able to use NFL licensed teams, NFL, the draft sounds, all of that. It sucks. It only made $29 million. It, it does. But as I told you, sports movies never make money. Yeah. Sports movies never make money. They clean up on cable. Yo, big because time. like major league, how many times do you fucking watch that on TV? You know, yeah. 5 million times, but I don't think it probably made much money in the box office. So, all right, well, stick around for some plugs. Hello, this is Arnold Schwarzenegger. You're listening to the Pool Scene Podcast. I'm telling you right now, if you don't have a podcast to listen to, whether it is in your car, at home, in work, you know, wherever you are, you should listen to the Pool Scene Podcast. Yeah. 
pool sceners once again thank you for listening to this episode of the show and don't forget as always like comment subscribe rate and follow apple spotify and podbean you leave us a five-star review and we read it on the air we'll send you out a bit of a prize also don't forget check us out on facebook instagram and twitch you guys are unsure how to get there we have a one-stop shop now and it's called linktree l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash pool scene podcast if you guys would like to contribute to the show in any way help for future content maybe even put it towards a cup of coffee for us there is a link at the top of the link tree that will send you to basically a tip jar we love you guys and thank you once again and now back to kevin with the final pick in the pool scene podcast draft the pool scene podcast selects Mr. Irrelevant, final lap guy. Yeah! The final lap! So it's weird they turned that into a thing, the nickname Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah. And like, it's always the last player pick. But how crazy is it that we finally got Brock Purdy, a Mr. Irrelevant who's fucking awesome? Yeah. Although he may not play this year. Yeah. Uh, so, first and final lap, I want to say shout out to lifeguard pool scene legend Matt Thompson, who shared the Dr. Hook Sylvia's <laughs> mother music video with us. Amazing. We we got a big kick out of it. Toxic waste. It's a recording. It's a recording of the highest people have ever been without dying oh my god everybody is so fucking high they are all anomalies the video is shot on shell silverstein's houseboat it's fucking nuts it's quite incredible these are the definition of a motley crew so my next one real serious real quick i want to say rest in peace out there to the enforcer stevie bradley for those who are unfamiliar with uh i'm not familiar yeah you're not familiar one of my favorite podcasts that i've watched is real going in raw it's a wrestling podcast with steven larson a couple years ago they brought stevie onto the show and they do a lot of twitch stuff they do a lot of game show stuff which it's kind of you know we've kind of brought into this podcast a little bit talking about game shows but what a breath of fresh air like one of the nicest guys huge hockey guy like he had like hundreds of hockey jerseys variants dude knew everything about hockey had one of those laughs where if you heard it no matter what kind of a shitty day you had you'd be laughing your ass off the guy all of a sudden I want to say it was like a month and a half ago. He wasn't on the show and he released a video on YouTube saying, I just haven't been feeling right. And I went to the hospital as diagnosed with leukemia. Oh no. And he put up a video like two weeks ago saying, I'm going through treatment. You know, I'm, I'm getting better. And then it came down today that he succumbed overnight to complications wow. due to his leukemia. And I think I can't remember his age off the top of my head. I think Stevie was in his forties, but man, podcast community that know him, is just devastated. So I want to give a, a big shout out to his family. I wish them nothing but the best. Steven Larson, I wish them nothing but the best. The Friendo community took a big hit today and it's just fucking cancer, man. I mean, that young and didn't expect it to happen. It's like getting a fucking rug pulled out from underneath yeah. you. So rest in power, Stevie. We love you, Enforcer. So a couple of weeks ago in this podcast, we covered country strong, maybe our magnum opus. Yes. And uh, obviously it's about country music, pop country music. And, and lately at work, you know, one guy at my job is like very territorial over the radio. I don't care. I put in my headphones. Most of the time I've got my, my AirPods in. Yeah. I don't give a shit, whatever. But when I walk through the office and I hear the music again, country music, there's this song that comes on and it drives me insane, but I laugh about it. And I, I thought since we covered country music, it'd be a good opportunity to talk about it. It's called beer or 
or gasoline is by oh, Chris Young God. from the year 2006. I'm going to read you some lyrics. All right, let's so, do it. $2 shy of a $5 bill. So he's got $3. All right. Last mile, I pushed my truck uphill. About hurt me. I left my truck by the pump right where I parked it. Walked through the doors of the last chance market. Have mercy. I was thirsty. The guy behind the counter said, what's it going to be? I said, I don't know, man. You tell me. It's a gallon of gas or a cold six pack. One goes in my tank. One comes in a sack. Makes life complicated when it costs the same. Hell, it ain't no fun to do without one, but I'll do a lot of walking if my motor don't run. It's a tough choice to make. If you know what I mean, it's either beer or gasoline. A six pack does not cost three bucks. It doesn't. In 2006, <laughs> I mean, maybe he was right. drinking Natty Natty or something. Some blats. Um, but we go on and on and on. He he has more. He's struggling for this decision to buy either Fucking beer sucks, so. beer or gasoline. He can't decide. And um, I guess he's walking home. So here's the bridge. It's hilarious that you said that. I could see where this is headed and I'm tired of talking. Cold beer unleaded. Hell, I'm walking. Walking. He okay. picks alcohol over gas. He's a fucking alcoholic. You're an alcoholic. It's time for an intervention. You Chris need an Young. intervention. You bought, you have $3 first off. That's all you got. You got $3. You could have got a couple like steel reserves or OEs he's for gonna, three bucks. He's going to be outside the last chance market begging for change yeah. to drink 40s because if you have $3 to your name and you spend that last $3 on a six pack of cheap beer, you're fucking, he's fucking stupid. If you need beer so bad that you spend your last three dollars and abandon your truck then those six beers aren't gonna do anything to satisfy your fucking delirium tremens you fucking alcoholic let's think about it too the owner of that gas station you know he's closing up fucking what's the fucking truck still doing here there's keys in the ignition looks like i'm keeping this truck i'm yeah. gonna fill this bitch up and drive it home Oh, cool titles in the glove box <laughs> even better kevin did you hear about this like what the fuck tweet from doja cat no. So Doja Cat, as you guys know, she's she writes music and stuff. She sings. So on Tuesday, she randomly tweeted her two albums, Planet Her and Hot Pink. And this is her tweet. Planet Her and Hot Pink were cash grabs and y'all fell for it. Now I can go disappear somewhere and touch grass with my loved ones on an island while y'all weep for mediocre pop. So she basically said, don't give a shit about this. You suckers bought it. Peace. She has do the deep dive on Doja Cat. That was a lot of alliteration. Yeah. Deep dive on Doja, Doja Cat. Cat. If you do the dive, she has like some questionable, just weird things that make me question her that her head screwed on straight. Well, yeah, that proves um, it. But she, uh, my kids always want to listen to Moo, which is like what was a YouTube, like a viral yeah. video that kind of launched her career. I don't know that that song is appropriate for my children, but they always want to listen to it. That's interesting. So we'll see if that actually uh, plays out for her. So speaking Speaking of Bo Ridley Callahan, Bo Jackson came out. Today. Oh my God, I saw this. Bo Jackson came out and said he's had hiccups since July and doctors don't know why. They're, he said they were putting flashlights down his throat or something. I remember as a kid, wasn't like if you keep water in your mouth and have like salt. Oh, you go upside down. Hold your you, nose. Yeah. So Bo does not know hiccups and he's been hiccuping since fucking July. Bo doesn't know how to stop hiccups. So that's got to be crazy. And finally, Kevin, I saw this and Bo. BuzzFeed. And they closed BuzzFeed News, which is bullshit, but thank God, Bud, Bud, I almost said BuzzFeed. That's not, that's Mike Tyson's news yeah, company. Daddy. BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed. Here's the title of this article. I peed myself. This woman is traumatized after her boyfriend's friends kidnapped her 
for her proposal. Oh, God. So her boyfriend's best friends kidnapped her. I saw one of those before where these dudes like mugged a woman. I don't know if this is the same one. These dudes like run up to this girl on the street, like put a hood over her head, like and start to like drag her away. And then they pull the hood off. And when they pull the hood off, her boyfriend's on her knee. It says right here. And I quote, I was pulled into this car and I could tell there were at least two masked guys in the back before they covered my eyes. Here's the thing. Don't ever fucking do this. Never, never, ever. Ever. Because if a random person sees that, that looks like a legitimate abduction. Yes. And then everyone carries guns. And in some states now, you don't even have to fucking, you just get a gun wherever you get it and you can carry it. There's at least 50 people in this country right now that have died for walking onto somebody's yes. lawn and some asshole with a yeah. gun doesn't want them Hold on the lawn. Hold your ground. Fucking assholes. And then here's another nitpick. And I know probably a lot of you pool seniors out there have done this. I have a big issue with gender reveal parties. Yeah, I, know. I think it is yeah, so you, uh, selfish. I don't care. You can easily put a Facebook post. We're having a boy. Perfect. Congratulations. Mazel tov. I don't need you to have fucking we blew a nuclear reactor <laughs> with pink smoke. It is the most. I'm sorry. I'm not judging you guys, but I think it's the most self-centered thing. And I've seen parties where people spend thousands of dollars for for a gender reveal when you could easily have went on Facebook and said, we're having uh, it's going to, his name's going to be David. Yeah. Congratulations. Come on, people. Stop with the overproduction of shit. Keep it simple, stupid. K-I-S-S Busey style. Next week we go music. Swimming series. Music. Yes. Little. Can be difficult. 90s. A difficult task for Jim and I. Difficult. Definitive. 90s music list. Not personal feelings attached to it. If you needed to make a Spotify list of the top 15 definitive 90s songs that are the epitome of 90s music, we will give you that next week. Yeah. Start telling us what cannot be left off of our list. Exactly. Exactly, because I have a feeling we're going to piss off some people because we're going to leave some stuff off. Well, I know that on my list for sure will be David McCall, Silencia. We had a great day. You should taste that.